Our first scripture lesson is from the letter to the Philippians, the third chapter, beginning with verse 7. Listen for God's word. Yet whatever gains I had, these I had come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness on my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of John. It is found on page 100 in the New Testament portion of your Pew Bible, verses 1 through 8. Listen for the word of the Lord to you. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for Jesus. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with Jesus. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard. Nard is a flower that comes from the Himalayan mountains. Anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, open this scripture to us. so that either in my words or in the movement of your Holy Spirit, you may touch in us what needs to be touched. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. It's a dinner party. This odd scene occurs at a dinner party. It's at the home of Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and maybe the invitation said, post-resurrection dinner. If we looked in on the scene, we can see that everyone is clean and tidy, washed and pressed. 
and acting with a sort of joyfulness. The food is blessed, and there is all kinds of mouth-watering stuff coming from the kitchen. There's fried chicken and mashed potatoes and green bean casserole, and the warm rolls right out of the oven. And if they'd been in the South growing up with me, there would have been jello salad as well. Jesus loves this family, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. We're not sure why, but you can see it in the ease with which they move with one another. Martha, as always, has her apron on, and she's managing the meal with her practice hand and making sure everybody has seconds and thirds. And Lazarus is host. He who once was dead is now presiding. Can you believe it? In chapter 11 of John, Jesus comes to the dead Lazarus and calls him forth from death to new life. In the face of everything that's happened, they have a dinner. Because did you hear the authorities after Lazarus gets raised from the dead, they say they're out to get Jesus, that Jesus is now a dead man walking. But they have a party in the face of death. I think that Lazarus has this sort of dazed, amazed look on his face. You know, he just can't quite believe what he's seeing and doing. He's getting a second chance at life. He's getting a chance to be truly alive. To weep at that which tears up his heart. To have his heart lifted by laughter and beauty. To really listen to his sisters instead of checking out the ball game on the television. Lazarus is no longer on autopilot or hurrying through the day focused on his to-do list. Lazarus has given a second chance at life to nestle a sleepy baby against his chest, to give himself thankfully to the demands of work, to treasure his sisters and his friends, to lend a helping hand to those in need, to listen and to drink in the words of Jesus. Are we Are you, am I, truly alive, paying attention to this crazy, marvelous, God-given life? Are we, are you, am I, drinking in the intoxicating words of Jesus' teaching? Early on, Mary drank deeply of the words of Jesus. She sat at Jesus' feet like a disciple, and Martha got all miffed at her because she wouldn't help him with the chores. And Jesus said, let her alone. She's chosen the better part. And I imagine Martha goes off to the kitchen a little miffed at Jesus. But something in Mary has been touched so deeply It has transformed her life. Was it Jesus 
including her in the circle of disciples, valuing her mind and devotion to God? Was it that Jesus looked on her with pure love, without lust or seeking to oppress her? Was it just something about him that she just couldn't get enough of? I have a friend named Jane. She grew up in coal mining country in West Virginia. And on that day, everything in town was gray and black. The air was gray, the clothes were gray, the fingers of the miners were coated in grime. No washing would get rid of it. And there in that tiny town, there was a Greek Orthodox church. Can you believe it? And it was beautiful, and it was full of gold leaf and icons. And when they came in to worship, they said, You are entering the kingdom of God. And the miners and their families stood up straighter and they knew that despite their circumstances and their poverty, that in God's kingdom they were worth far more than they are valued in the world. I think something like that happened. I also wonder if Mary is the kind of person who sees things that others cannot see or at least things they're not talking about and certainly not understanding, for Mary sees that death is at the door. She knows that the powers that be see Jesus as a huge threat. He is a threat to the government because loyalty to Jesus as Lord comes first, above politics or political party, over country and kingdom. Jesus is Lord of all. And empires and kingdoms and governments don't like that. They understand the threat of a people willing to bow to Jesus' teachings to love your enemies and to return good for the evil done. And to do that for the welfare, for those who are poor and at the margins and the foreigner, they understand that to act like Jesus is a threat. So Mary knows that the political and religious powers are going to kill Jesus, and it's going to be soon. And so without really thinking, I'm imagining, or without really understanding, she goes and gets this jar of pure perfume, her savings in a jar, her dowry, worth a year's wages. And in grief and in love, she pours this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet she cratches down to the floor and she lets her hair fall and she wipes it with her hair she wipes his feet with her hair and letting your hair down that was like coming in with a dress slid up to your new you know what it just wasn't done by decent women but she does not care 
She pours out extravagant love. And of course, there are objections. Judas pops up and says, what a waste. All this could be sold and given to the poor. And in the other Gospels, it's the rest of the disciples saying that. And I have to admit, I kind of get what Judas is saying. Not that I'm a thief and take from the common hoard, but I get what he's saying. Because it's so impractical. Because surely you would give that to a ministry of Jesus to include all kinds of people who are left out. Surely there is a better use for that kind of money. His complaint and his criticism is a defense against extravagant love just as it is for us. Because our criticism and our complaint keeps us from loving other people. Mary, we are not sure why she does it, but I think of it as a defense against the stench of death that is coming. I think here she is anointing Jesus like the prophets of old as a king, as a leader, as the Messiah. And she does it before they can take him away. Mary is like a lover who throws caution to the wind and buys a ring he cannot afford. Mary is like parents who empty out their savings to help their addicted child. Mary is like Lillian, who was in my first church. She was too poor to pledge, and so she cleaned the church instead. Mary is like the soldier who will risk his life to protect his friends. Mary is like the millionaire who walked away from his business and started building houses for the poor, which grew into habitat for humanity. Mary is the woman who is a mentor with big brothers and big sisters who took on a little girl named Chelsea. And as she grew up and it became evident that she could never get an advanced education, this woman paid for her education so she could escape poverty. All through this church, there are Marys. People who give without thinking to spread the perfume of love around the world. Can you smell it? Can you sense it? It's like coming upon a hedge full of honeysuckle. It's like the tree that blooms in my neighborhood that's 15 feet tall with blossoms you can smell it three blocks away. The scent of love. In the face of complaint, Jesus says, leave her alone. Mary sees what you do not see. She gives me the perfume that would embalm my body. And this fragrance of love will help me face the cross. And isn't that true? Extravagant love helps us to go to hell and back. Isn't it true that the love of Christ upholds us? 
isn't it true that love has a fragrance that can permeate the air and stand against evil? There is a current film, The Son of Saul, which takes place in Auschwitz. And one of the Jewish men is picked to take his fellows into the ovens and then burn them. And one little child, a boy, survives. And he wants to save him. And he doesn't. But then he wants to give him a burial, which of course could get him killed. But he decides that dignity and worth and honoring this child when he cannot honor thousands is worth the cost. Soon Jesus will be nailed to a cross. Soon Jesus will cancel our sins and our debts upon the cross. And you know what I think? That there amid the blood and the sweat and the gore and the violence of humanity, there lingers a sweet perfume the perfume of extravagant love. Amen.